0: Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent
1: Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good.
0: I I, I don't know if maybe like my tolerance for it is getting lower or if it's genuinely getting worse, but like online comments are like, they seem to be devolving. Like responses and comments to things have the inability to read the room. And I think I told you this anecdote personally, but I want to tell it again because it's like the perfect example of like how frustrating it is. So I watched this guy do the mini crossword. You know, he pops up on my For You page and I like to compare my time against his. And this happened in April and one of the clues was a big April event. And the answer was taxes. And he was struggling with that answer. And... So I kind of made a joke in the comments that was like, wow, you couldn't, you didn't remember that taxes were in April. I hope you paid them in time. Ha 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 ha. And I got like 10 responses that were like, I've never paid my taxes in April. I pay my taxes right when I get them. And I'm like, guys, that's not what I was saying. I didn't accuse you of not doing your taxes. (laughs) I like what's what's going on here.
1: I think here's the thing. I only leave comments when I think about it, which means I most of time don't leave comments. You you did a nothing comment.
0: Yeah, it's a nothing. And so and again, I'm in the same boat of like I leave like six TikTok comments a year yeah, and that number is about to shoot down drastically because every time a joke gets made somebody has to like bring it back to reality it's like when you tell your parents a joke and they turn it into a life lesson like no i was just being funny nobody nobody accused you of being a bad person just calm down
1: i don't know did you respond
0: no, of course not. I'm smarter should, than that.
1: You should, you should 100% respond. See, here's what you need to do. Engage, engage, engage.
0: <laughs> and and here's the thing. I'm blowing it out of proportion because that comment got like 200 likes and only like 10 replies that clearly like did not get the joke. Right. And my response to that was, I just deleted the comment because I was sick of getting these replies and I just, I find it so frustrating that every time I see a video of somebody making a joke, there is a 100% guarantee that if you go into the comments, somebody is like trying to be like a real factoid person about it or like, well, you see, I actually do this. It's like, that's not, this is, stop it. Stop it. Stop making it about yourself. Like I really think that's what it comes down to is people make a joke and someone's like, "Oh, how do I make this about me?"
1: Yeah. I feel like this is just the human condition.
0: It really is. This is my PSA is to like, just stop doing that. And here's a good way to think like, am I doing this in my TikTok comments without realizing it? Do what Alex suggested is just stop. Think about your comment. Does it provide anything useful? And are you making it about yourself? Think about that. I I, I realize now that I'm doing what they did to us in high school to teach us like online literacy Do you want to talk about the movie
1: yeah let's talk about hook bro
0: okay so spielberg spring third spielberg movie we're in the 90s we're living large we're we're watching hook if you don't want to hear us talk about this movie and hey we're gonna talk about this movie you can skip to this time code right here
1: time code 21 minutes 50 seconds
0: okay hook robin williams dustin hoffman julia roberts 1991 yeah almost two and a half hours this movie is a trip to say the least um a quick plot recap of this movie okay peter pan moves out of neverland he grows up he has a family a wife he's a lawyer a job he forgets about neverland he doesn't believe in it anymore then guess what His kids get kidnapped, taken to Neverland. He has to rescue them and find the child within himself again. And it takes two and a half hours to do this. (laughs) Um, What I'm going to say about this movie right out the gate is you have to be a Peter Pan person to find most of the enjoyment in this movie. I was not and am not really a peter pan person so it took a long long time for me to warm up to this movie
1: i am a peter pan person let me describe a peter pan person it's a person who watched peter pan when they were younger and is obsessed with the idea of childhood and growing up that's that's all a peter pan person is it's just like obsessed with childhood growing up losing your innocence that whole idea it's just what Peter Pan is. So if you really like that concept, then this movie's for you. And it's a it's bonus points if you just love Peter Pan in general cuz this movie's just like lore it's the whole it's like it's a backstory that you didn't even know you needed it doesn't explain to you a lot of like tinkerbell stuff because it is just assume you know it already
0: yeah and there's a lot of stuff that this movie assumes you know that i just kind of didn't um like captain hook has this thing with clocks
1: yeah i guess and you didn't know about that
0: yeah i didn't know about that Here's, okay i have okay i have watched the peter pan movie in its entirety once and it was um right before and it was when we recorded the small and tall episode for the tinkerbell movies which was two years ago at this point um so my knowledge of this movie is limited at best and so like i know that peter pan is the reason that captain hook lost his hand right and i know that the crocodile has something to do with it and Mm -hmm. past that like my knowledge of Captain Hook is like minimal, right? And so he says, uh, he he has a line in this movie that's like, death is the greatest adventure you'll achieve or something like that. And I'm like, this feels like he's referencing something from the Peter Pan movie that I don't quite get. He's putting a lot of emphasis on this, like death is an adventure kind of aspect.
1: I haven't seen Peter Pan in 15 years, but I watched the- the recorded on VHS play version they just made it into a movie. They recorded the stage performance and made it a movie. I watched that half a dozen times, maybe a dozen times as a kid. and then I watched the Disney version another dozen times, but I haven't watched any of them since I was like 13, maybe 12.
0: Oh, that's not true. I went on a date and I saw the 2015 movie Pan with Hugh Jackman as Captain Hook, which I, I did seen. watch that. What do you think? Um, I don't know, man. I was on a date. You think I was focusing on the movie?
1: Touche. So, <laughs> I'm a. I am the Peter Pan guy. This movie is fantastic. <laughs> this movie is so. good. This
0: movie is has an undeniable charm to it, and I think a lot of it is personally for me is the Robin Williams charm. Oh, 100%. I think that he carries so much of this movie because I do not find the first half of this movie interesting in the slightest. It's a lot of just like reeling you back into the Peter
1: Pan vibes. I would I I really... say all, it's good once the kids get kidnapped. That's when sure, it got good yeah. for me. Pre, this is always the case. It's the freaking Assassin's Creed before the Animus. It's the Harry Potter before Hogwarts when he's just in London. Just get me to the place. You know, that's the fun part. So let's minimize that first part because that's always boring and that uh, is the case for this.
0: Yeah, and so the first act of this movie is a lot of, like, establishing that Peter has grown up and he is he's a lawyer and he neglects. Like, there's a big aspect of him neglecting his family for the sake of his job, which is a very grown-up thing to do. And it's, like, really there to hammer home the aspect of Peter growing up. Peter forgetting Neverland, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I really didn't find much interest in this movie until after the the sequence where he like learns to fly again. So you that's didn't even like I'm the like, a-
1: imagination scene? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Like,
0: I did not find Rufio. Like, he was annoying. Straight up annoying. And so when there was this like weird, like power contest where like rufio doesn't want to he doesn't believe that he's peter pan and he's like you can't have control of the lost boys i'm their leader and i'm like shut up dude like he was too much of an edgelord and it was just like very strong like insecure middle schooler vibes that i just like couldn't care less about and so once peter pan like learns to fly again and rufio is like i now believe that you're peter pan i accept you as like our leader and then they like fight captain hook fighting captain hook is like a 40 minute sequence by the way it's not short
1: i freaking loved it
0: um but that was the part of the movie that i was like engaged in interested in and just like found really cool like watching everyone kind of team up and like P- peter like you know regain his childhood and regain kind of that like maybe not his entire childhood but that childlike wonder mm-hmm. is the important part of the character and watching him use that to his advantage that's the cool part of the movie
1: yeah bro i'm just freaking about it it was funny robin was dope the whole exploring your childhood was sweet. um, Dude, shout out Dustin Hoffman as Captain Hook. I yeah, he's pretty good. Loved it, dude. I've only seen Dustin Hoffman in serious roles, and he did a great job. I loved it. Smee, I'm on the fence on. Apparently, he's great. The actor, um, Bob, Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins, yeah. I mean, apparently, he's a great guy to work around. I think... The Smee performance was left something to be desired. If you know what Smee is supposed to be like, I think it could have been better. Julia Roberts as Tinkerball. Weird cast. She's a little older. It,
0: Yeah. Because, I mean, like, this is still kind of towards the beginning of her career. Like, Pretty Woman had come out the year before this movie did. So, like, she was obviously, like, cast in this movie probably before Pretty Woman came out. So, she was kind of a nobody when this when she was cast in it so i'm curious as to like what led to this casting i mean like i guess there was you know steel magnolias too but it it does feel a little out of place like you see her and you're like julia roberts yeah like weird and it's especially weird because like tinkerbell is also like not supposed to age and so when you have someone that is like very clearly in their 20s for a character that
1: it's supposed to be like gives off a teenager like, like 14 nine, yeah. 15 like they or die like, if even they like yeah like high schooler age that dies if they don't have attention it's weird that that person's in their 20s
0: so i, I liked her in it it's not like it was like a it made the movie worse you know i like julia roberts as an actress so it was it, it was kind of just startling more than anything else but Um, that thing about going back to Dustin Hoffman for a second, there's a subplot kind of in this movie where Captain Hook tries to convince Peter's kids that he's a better dad than Peter could be. And like tries to convince his oldest son, Jack, to just be like, Hey, let me be your dad. And so (laughs) what is it like a, like a baseball sequence where, yeah. Like Jack is in control and like he's making new rules for baseball and he's like because the whole the, the connection is before they went to Neverland Jack had a baseball game that his dad didn't go to and so now here it's like captain hook is like here's a baseball game i can game get these kids to he-
1: like me and that way they won't want to go back with their dad and how do i do that i just do the things that robin williams wasn't going to do and that was just having a baseball game
0: and all of this is like in an attempt to like emasculate peter and like lower yeah. his confidence the wrong word
1: undermine yes yeah. undermine um, um it's, and also like apparently baseball was already thing they had a pirate baseball where if you're stealing a base they can shoot you (laughs) (laughs) and he's like no 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 we're playing the other world's kind of baseball we got new rules here um also time and memory works weird in neverland and outside of it so when you're in it it's very hard to remember what life was like outside of it and when you're out of it it's very hard to remember what life was like inside which is why peter pan can forget he was peter pan and which is why three days With Jack hanging around Captain Hook, he can forget who his dad is. Like, they meet up again, he goes, he looks familiar. I'm like, really? Yeah. Because that was freaking 72 hours ago. What are you talking about?
0: There's this weird aspect of Neverland and this is just kind of like a general cinematography choice that I don't necessarily agree with. And it's just how brown this movie is. Like, I feel like the original Peter Pan is, like, it's very green and blue and, like, generally bright colored. And then this movie is very, like, dull. And I don't know if that's supposed to be, like, a commentary on, like, adults viewing things through, like, a less charismatic lens through like a less joyful lens and so Neverland appears duller because of it but like at no point does Neverland become bright again like when he's regained his childhood innocent and so I think it was just kind of dreary to look at and I wish that this movie had stuck with some of the more blue green tones that I kind of more associate with Peter Pan
1: Right. I will say the set pieces in this movie are incredible.
0: Yeah, they're very intricate. Um like that scene where Peter is having dinner with the Lost Boys and like mm-hmm. that whole kind of area is like very detailed.
1: It's it's also all practical effects. And then when Peter first yeah. gets to Neverland and he's in like that pirate town, I'm like, this place is freaking huge. Yeah, uh-huh. It's nuts. Everyone's in costume. It's You can tell, it's very easy to tell what's green screen and what's practical, but the practical is massive, bro. It's like comparable to Harry Potter and like Diagon Alley. I'm like, this place is freaking massive. I was blown away and I'm like, oh yeah, it's because Spielberg is a big deal at this point. This is like, he's already been making movies for 15, 20 years and they're all hits. So they're just like, how much money do you want? And he does stuff like this. <laughs> it's impressive.
0: Yeah. So I really think that, you know, at the end of the day, the thing that comes, why am I, what am, I'm not even saying anything. I think this movie really comes down to like your personal attachment to the Peter Pan entity. Um, And if you're not, there's definitely enjoyment to still be had. Like, w- I think that Peter has, like, genuine character growth, especially in the last half of this movie that I think is genuinely cool to watch unfold. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you know, there's going to be actors you recognize in this, like Julia Roberts. Maggie Smith is Wendy. A.K.A. Um, Professor McGonagall. Yeah. um, Rufio is played by the guy that voices Zuko in Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, And so, like, there are little things that can keep you going, through this movie until it gets good. And I, and I think that it's going to get good for at different parts for different people. Um, and so like that scene where captain hook is like trying to get Jack to be his son, you know, that, that, those are really cool things that happen that you wouldn't necessarily see in like a just for kids movie. So this is a movie that I think is for everyone. I think it would be hard to get a six-year-old to watch a two and a half-hour Peter Pan movie, but it, I guess it could be done.
1: <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I mean, I have this is my first time watching the movie. I watched clips before. Two and a half hours is a long movie. As an adult, it doesn't feel that bad because like I know the Peter Pan story. It's interesting enough for adults. As a kid, it's for the family. It's not for kids. I think fifth, fourth, fifth graders could get through it. Anything younger than that, you might need to pause, take an intermission. Um, but like I think. Once you get to Neverland, the movie's good. Before that, it's yeah. a little freaking Tim Allen and Santa Claus before he becomes Santa Claus. You know? It's just the boring part.
0: Yes. And I think I think the Spielberg charm for this. Spielberg didn't write this movie. Um there were lots of writers on this movie. In fact, like I think Carrie Fisher was like a script doctor for this movie too. Um, but I think the Spielberg vibe still comes through really intense with the dialogue i think that spielberg is a very good dialogue director um the just the way people talk to each other is very spielberg even if he had he didn't write the dialogue there's just something like very grounded about this dialogue the way people talk like people get specific in how they refer to things and people and places Mm-hmm. Which I have noticed is a very Spielberg thing. Like he goes into overt details about what things are and how it makes people
1: feel. Yeah, bro. This movie's freaking dope. Movie's yeah. Freaking sweet. I liked it. It's just the acting's good enough. The kid acting is good for kid acting. I think Spielberg, I don't know if he has a hand in casting at all, but he his casting directors can pick out good kids. This E.T. Like, they know what they're doing. So, I recommend this movie. If you want to watch it with the whole family, I would recommend it. And if I would, to be honest, I would watch Harry, I would watch Harry Potter. I would watch Peter Pan before you watch this. It makes a little bit more sense that way. Yeah. Um, But if you have seen Peter Pan before, probably a lot or recently. (laughs) Like, I've seen it a lot, so I didn't have to watch it recently. But if you haven't watched it, watch it recently. Um, And this whole thing becomes more enjoyable. 100% i recommend it.
0: So, this movie got nominated for five Oscars, and it the two that I think it should have gotten, Best Costume Design and Best Art Direction and Set Direction, um, it lost both of those awards to a movie called Bugsy, um, which I have not seen, I know nothing about. But, like, I'm almost tempted to watch this movie and be like, how intense was the set decoration on Bugsy to where Hook loses to it?
1: Dude, I... Yeah, that I don't need to see Bugsy to know that this thing is freaking rigged. It was great. (laughs) (coughs) Okay,
0: I think this movie did not super resonate with me. I think there's a lot of charm to it. I will always be down to watch a Robin Williams movie. I can't imagine I would have enjoyed this movie half as much if he was not in it. His back is broken from carrying this movie, but... At the end of the day, I think I give this movie like a six and a half.
1: I'm giving this movie eight and a quarter.
0: Yeah, respect. This movie has like from like an objective level, which is hard to do with movies. Like, it is a technically impressive movie, and so it is worth watching for the culture of it and for the technical aspects of it. Like, hey, Glenn Close is in this movie. You'll never guess which one Glenn Close is. Oh,
1: (laughs) I pause the movie. I'm like, is that freaking Glenn Close? (laughs) And Macy's like, who's that? I'm like i held a picture up to the screen and goes her makeup is incredible
0: like if you don't know to look for glenn close you will not find her i like it's very prominent like she had like she has speaking lines so you won't miss her unless like you don't know to look for her um but yeah so six and a half it's it's a cool movie Mm. um what are we doing for an improv segment
1: we're going to do two degrees of separation. We haven't done this in a couple weeks. This is basically <laughs> what?
0: Is this the way you said it? It's like, you're like we haven't done this in a long. We have not done this for like three years, but no, we just haven't done it in a few weeks. We
1: haven't done it in a few weeks. We did it in February, so not forever ago. Um, it's a little conspiracy thing where we list two things and the other person has to involve them in an elaborate conspiracy that they make up on the spot. And we do give them a time limit, so uh, they don't have time to flesh out the details. Um, Yeah. It's a freaking fan favorite. It's a cast favorite. I just called us a cast, even though we're two people. And we've been doing it for a while, so I'm excited to do it again.
0: What I love about this game is (laughs) I tend to spiral pretty quick. And when I'm in my head, it makes perfect sense. And then almost like clockwork. I will end it and be, like, super proud of myself, and your response will always be, you kind of lost me in the middle there, but I'm going to assume that made sense to you.
1: Yeah, it's always like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I, okay, yeah. Um, you want to go first? Show them how it's sure, done? Sure, man. Show the audience what we're talking yeah. about? Yeah, sure. Okay. The things you are connecting are oil spills. And uh, Mother's Day.
0: So, everyone knows that gas companies hike up the prices on gas during big travel holidays. Thanksgiving... Christmas, all this stuff. Anytime that you're traveling to see your family, gas companies are like, "Oops, gas is $7 now." Um, and here's the crux of it. Is Mother's Day is not typically seen as one of those big travel holidays. It's kind of like one of those, "If you can make it, sweet. If not, send them an Amazon package. You'll be fine." Um, but what you don't understand is that recently there was a huge oil spill in the Antarctic region which is a very popular but secretive oil mining region and in order to cover up that oil spill they it was convenient timing is what i'm trying to say is they spilled a bunch of oil they lost a lot of product they had to jack up the prices but they're covering it with mother's day and saying like oh travel holiday you're gonna be spending money anyway But really, it's because there was a big oil spill that nobody wants us to know about. So that way they can get away with it and all the environmental damage that they've done. Because as you know, the only reason that we know about oil spills is price fluctuation in the market. And there are absolutely no environmental signs that something like this has happened. So... This Mother's Day, remember to check out the Antarctic region and make sure that there's no large harming factors from the oil spill.
1: Okay. So that was 2 minutes. And yeah. it took him a while to get to oil spills but once we were there I picked up on what you were saying. Here's the yeah. tricky part, right? Mhm. Never ever heard of people raising prices to cover the cost of lost oil. Be like, hey man, we took a big loss on oil. It's always... I mean, you can make this in your argument. You might have mentioned it briefly or alluded to it. That they're not trying to make up for lost oil. They're making up for the environment. Paying to get it removed from the environment. It's, it's a pretty decent exp- conspiracy. It's a
0: solid theory.
1: It's a solid theory. It's not so crazy. That it could be a joke.
0: <laughs>
1: if someone told me that on the street, I'd be like, obviously this person's on the influence, but I I believe that they believe it. Okay, so I I'm going to give a you a, a tough one. I'm going to give uh, you a tough one. Give it to me.
0: I want you to connect, since we brought it up, the Academy Awards with Private Intergalactic
1: Travel. Okay. I already have a, a thing for that. Okay, so here's the thing. All right, I'm giving myself two minutes. 30, okay. America, big tourist country, Italy, big tourist country, England, big tourist country, Spain, big tourist country, Uh, Mexico in parts, Uh, Israel, sometimes Japan, big tourist country, Australia, big tourist country. There's a lot of, there's a huge part of the world that doesn't get any tourist attention whatsoever. We need to make our world so attractive that aliens want to come here and nothing like a global, possibly, dare I say, Intergalactic Academy Awards, a.k.a. we're doing Grammys, we're doing Oscars, we're doing Tonys and we're doing Emmys for the solar system, dare I say, universe. And the only way we're going to make this possible is if we have private rockets to go in and out of other people's universes. And we can start our own chartering company. This is kind of like a pitch. This isn't even so much a conspiracy. We need to make this happen. Because I think the reason intergalactic travel hasn't taken off is because the people who can afford it it's expensive hence the private part we need exclusive charters small parties and we can charge whatever we want because other galaxies have the resources to pay for it and we just boat them here fly them in whatever method we can to make earth more appealing and a global intergalactic contest for just content is how we make it happen
0: okay so your pitch is to create an intergalactic award ceremony for living entities that we have not made contact with yes so by making an intergalactic award ceremony you are (laughs) inviting people in to participate
1: yes
0: (laughs) you know what flawless plan i see no problems with it
1: yeah i
0: Sure. Why not? Um,
1: uh, We're going to need a bit of seed money, though. So A
0: bit of seed. Uh, how do we do intergalactic advertisements? Because here's the thing. What, what was the the probe that we shot out with no intention of getting it back? Like, was that the, Curiosity. the Explore? Cu- one of them. Um, yeah. And we, like, filled it with stuff that was, like, quintessential Earth culture. That's like, yeah, if like it encountered... Yeah, like, if aliens encountered it, they would have, like, a semblance of what we were up to. Um, that hasn't been found yet, to the best of my knowledge. So, I can't imagine our advertisements would have any more luck. But, you know what? I'm down to see us try.
1: Yeah. It's not like we okay. have
0: anything better going on. Right. Um, Alex, I think it's time for us to moonlight a little bit.
1: Beautiful. I want to talk about something that we both watched. Now I'm not even sure it's on your list, but it's on mine. Okay. John Mulaney's new special.
0: Yes. Yes. I also watched it. I for- I honestly kind of forgot I watched it, but yes.
1: So let's talk about it. Um. Yeah. He's got some bits that are incredible. Yes. Um. Namely, the one that comes to my mind is the grandparent bit of like, you want your grandparent okay. to die to fit in because you want to get treated special. That oh, is yes, yes, yes. a flawless bit. And then he talks about- which grandparent you need to die because they're not all grandparents are created equal. Dude. Yeah. What an amazing premise.
0: And he does that bit that's like, look at your dad's mom and say that she did a good job. Yeah.
1: He goes, (laughs) well, we know who's not on that list. Your dad's dad because he changes (laughs) when something like that happens. He's a different person. All of a sudden, he's super angry that you're not taking pictures. Like, he's not happy in the picture, but it's mandatory that one gets taken because time is fickle. It's yeah. an amazing premise, and I loved it, and it's in the first 10 minutes.
0: Um, But the whole Baby J special, effectively, and I told you this before you watched it, is like the whole thing is about him going to re-pa- rehab. Um, And he's very clearly dancing around some parts of it that like we know that the rehab thing is one piece of a much bigger puzzle that affected his entire public image but he's only talking about the one aspect of it so if you're looking at it <laughs> if you're trying to watch the baby j special to like get more details about his divorce or like the timeline of events of anything you're going to be sorely underwhelmed. It is very it is very much just a stand-up special about one aspect of his life. Um, yeah,
1: he alludes to it once or twice that people don't like him anymore. Like, he's just not but, the guy. But he never comes out and says anything specifically.
0: I really like the bit that he talks about, like, Him trying to get the other patients of rehab to, like, realize who he is. He's trying to be the most famous person in rehab. I thought that bit was amazing. Um, It is not my favorite Mulaney special. I still think um, maybe, like, Kid Gorgeous or New in Town Mm -hmm. is there. Um, Definitely not the Mulaney special I would introduce him to people with. um, This is the last
1: special. This is, like, jumping in to um Marvel at Infinity War. You're like, there's yeah. a lot of backstory here that I just don't know about. And it's not that it's not good. Infinity War is great. This is great. You just need to know more about him for a lot of this stuff to land.
0: Yeah. So I also think that there were some bits that like I did not like the the ending bit with the GQ article. Like I did not like that bit at all. Um oh, I thought it was kind of good. But um overall oh.
1: like the the kid in the audience (laughs) yeah i know it wasn't even planned great oh great improv
0: yeah so here's the 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 conspiracy theory that i've heard about it is that that is a recreation of something that happened so it was originally an improv bit but it wasn't on the taped night so he recreated it for the taping um but i read it Uh, offhandedly i cannot verify the validity of that statement but it also kind of seems like something he would do
1: (laughs) yeah totally cool with it too i don't even care yeah there's a lot of people who are like comedians are just making up stuff like that wasn't even true i'm like i don't care it was funny yeah if you tell me a long 20 minute story none of it's true don't care i really don't um it's just funny the purpose was to make me laugh it worked Okay, that's why a lot of times comedians say the other day. The other day could be two years ago. They just don't want to say two years ago. So they say the other day. Totally cool with it. That's fine. Don't worry about it. The whole premise, that I mean, a lot of people genuinely believe, and this is the craziest thing, is that comedians are making it up on the spot. They're just funny. Because they tell it so well (laughs) that it's like the the art is making it seem Like you're telling it for the first time and there's tricks about it. Like laughing at your own jokes, make it sound like it's so funny that you are retelling it for the first time. You didn't realize how funny it was. These guys have all been telling these jokes for at least 18 months. So like the whole thing is made up and I'm cool with all of it. So like that, that doesn't bother me. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's rehab heavy and not even rehab. A lot of it, it's just addiction heavy. It's talking about like the intervention. It's about, Pre rehab, when he's talking about you know what he did to get money, uh, as far as the Rolex is concerned, that was a little slow for me. It's a long story. Melania is not. I don't love his stories, which is, and he's a he doesn't come off like a story comedian, but he is a story comedian. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't feel like it because they're a little quick and they got a lot of punches in there. Um, but a lot. I feel like most of his jokes are here's what happened to me, and this is why it's weird. Not because here's what happened to me. And the thing I'm telling you is a cool and funny story. It's a, here's why this is weird. So a guy came up to me, said he, you know, he's new in town, has AIDS, he's homeless. And let me tell you why that's weird. He doesn't just say that was a story. Isn't it funny? So I feel like the Rolex story may, it's also, it's very hard for me to detach just how much money it is and yeah. he, he kind of says like hey this is gonna sound like rich people thing but it just know that this is what addiction does to you and i'm like i still can't get over the fact that you threw out six thousand dollars like just threw it out so yeah. like, i don't know if that was a me thing or it, it kept the joke from being funny to me
0: yeah overall like i'm not gonna be re-watching this special very much or at all like yeah um so it, it was a pretty good but not Great John Mulaney special. It was perfect. What it, it? I think it did exactly what he wanted it to do, which was mm-hmm. graciously slide him back into the positive public eye.
1: Yeah, it's just put out content, prove you're still funny. I mean, your first thing back is always going to be rough. Um, and it was good, but it's he just talked about the elephant in the room the whole time.
0: Yeah, <sighs> I watched. The first Hunger Games movie. Yes. Um, I read all the books. I watched the first two movies in theaters and did not finish the franchise. So with the new prequel movie that's coming out at the end of the year, I've been seeing some clips on TikTok and I'm like, all right, now is a good time for me to just kind of like marathon them and get through it. So I watched the first Hunger Games movie and it's crazy how like, binary that movie is in the sense of like here's one hour of lore and world building stuff and then here's one hour of the hunger games um and like it's fun you know it's not great i really think that as far as like young adult dystopians go like the world building in it is like not my favorite
1: i think you this is one of those things that like you really needed to read the book because the backstory yeah, helps a lot. It really does. It makes the book um, makes the movie better because it fills in the blanks. Otherwise, you're gonna have to pause it every thirty seconds and explain to your mom who people are, what district this means, what it, because uh, uh, it doesn't explain a lot of it. It just assumes you know.
0: Um, I still don't like Peta as a character very much. Oh, I never really did. Um, and just in general, it's it is like the fluffiest movie ever. Um, this movie rushes a lot of stuff, like Rue's involvement in everything is not very heavy. Like she's in like 10 minutes of the movie
1: and, um, and then you're supposed to cry when something happens to her.
0: Yeah. So I really felt like what this movie wanted to be impactful did not feel very impactful. Um, if you just go in and you're like, I want to watch people do an arena battle, you get that. And I think there are some very satisfying moments in the arena battle. Like when she drops that effectively hornet's nest on the top contenders, that's a good moment right there. When at, when it's like towards the end of the movie and they do that fight like on top of that structure with the, with the wolves at the bottom. Yeah, the cornucopia. Like yeah, that's a cool segment right there. So this movie has a lot of cool segments. It's just kind of like, as an inherent movie, as the beginning of a franchise, it's not as deep as it kind of should be, and I was not very interested in it. So, first movie, I give like six point seven five, close okay. but not quite.
1: Um, did you watch Catching Fire?
0: Yeah, I, I'm outside. gonna. I, I, okay, because I've seen uh, these movies, so, so I can contribute to. These. Yeah, so I also watched Catching Fire, and I remember Catching Fire as being like one of the first movies. I saw in theaters that I did not care for. Um, cause when you're a kid, you watch you, going to the movie theater is enough to make a movie good.
1: Yeah. Well, cause um, you go to the movies once a quarter.
0: Yeah. Like It just doesn't and happen. So I remember being like 14 when this movie came out and I was super excited for it. And I just, I was like, I remember watching this movie and being like, I've seen this movie and it was the first hunger games. And I watched it again, and I remember thinking, I've seen this movie before, and it was the first Hunger Games. Um, Because it does the binary thing again. You get an hour of world building. They do their victory tour. It's seeing the districts for an hour, and then it's an hour of the Hunger Games.
1: The thing is, is now you know the Hunger Games are coming up, and you're just like, let's get to the good part. I saw it in the last movie. It was dope. Why do I care about what it's like to be a victor? All that stuff is super boring,
0: and it's really good book material. Don't get me wrong; I really enjoyed these books. I, I'm, uh, but as far as like the movies are concerned, they it, it did not feel as engaging. This this franchise also stealth drops a lot of celebrities. Like you look back on it, it's like Woody Harrelson, Elizabeth Banks, Donald Sutherland. Right? We like those are the celebrities we remember. But then you also remember like. Jeffrey Wright is in these movies. Jeffrey Wright is in three of the four movies. Yeah. Um. Lenny Kravitz is in two of these movies. Um. It, it's just it's crazy how many famous people you forget are in these movies. And I I mentioned this to you as I was watching this. Like Lenny Kravitz gives the best character performance in this entire franchise, and he just never acted again. And I find that baffling. Like, he, it really felt like he just wanted to prove that he could and then just never did it again.
1: Yeah, he's like, you guys think I can't act? Let me just get in a crazy franchise as a super, like, convincing character and just be like, all right, I did it. See ya.
0: Um, I think the Hunger Games part of this movie is better than the Hunger Games part of the first one. I just think the gimmick is a little cooler because in the first Hunger Games movie, they couldn't gimmick us because the gimmick was the Hunger Games. Right. But in this one, they were like, you already know what's up. Let's have a little bit of fun with it. Um, And so that is really cool. That's what saves the Hunger Games part of the movie.
1: Um, I also feel like the stakes are way higher because you're playing against pros.
0: Yes, but the victory tour was so incredibly boring and the love triangle is so unappealing. Like, the concept of like, oh, I have to pretend to be in love with this one person, but I'm actually in love with this one person and they're both pissed at me about it. Like, that's just not fun to watch. Um, Jeez, yeah. So, like, the character... The characters in this I just found very dull and hard to root for. So while I liked the Hunger Games part of it better, um, just as a movie, I cared about it less. So it sits at like a flat, uh, maybe like six and a quarter.
1: Yeah, that tracks how I remember feeling about it when I saw it. Um, I don't. Here's the thing. It's hard to say whether or not it's been better than the first one because they're close. Yes. And then there's the third one, kinda. Yeah. Do you, one. Ran,
0: do you want me Let's to just do you want me to just go through, through the it whole and thing? then
1: we'll do mine? Okay. I've seen all of yours, and I I don't want to interrupt you.
0: So, Mocking Mockingjay Part One. So
1: boring. Bro.
0: God, it's so boring. Oh, like.
1: Have you seen a good was... Part One? No. Breaking Dawn Part <laughs> One blows. Boring. Blows. Uh, Deathly Hollows. I think uh, might be the Death Hollows Part One blows. Compared to the second, compared to part two, and compared to six, which is its predecessor, it's the boring one.
0: So here's what I'm going to say, is that every part one, and Dune gets lumped into this too, because Dune is guilty of this too, where almost no action happens because all the action is in the second part of the book. I feel like Deathly Hollows did a good job at, like, there are stakes, and... You feel the stakes throughout the part one of the movie. Um, and I guess you could argue that Infinity War is also a good part one. But that's not really based off a book, that's cheating, whatever. Yeah. Um, so Deathly Hollows whoa, puberty. So Deathly Hollows is probably the only good part one, but like yeah, Breaking Dawn, Mocking Jay, Dune, all of these part ones are incredibly boring compared to what their sequel is, or in Dune's case, is going to be.
1: Well, it feels um, like we're watching act one, we wait two years, and then we get to see act two and three. And I'm like, Yeah, what? Are, what's going on here? That's the good so, stuff.
0: So Mockingjay is where, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Julianne Moore become more prominent characters, and man, I've never seen famous actors phone it in more than, like, in these moments. Philip Seymour Hoffman is trying, you know? I, I give him props for this, but, like... Julianne Moore's character is so unlikable. And that's the point, right? The whole point of the Mockingjay arc is um, slowly realizing that the revolution that you were fighting for is just as corrupt as the oppressor that you are trying to take down. And right. that is a really interesting concept to explore. This did not do it correctly. Um, President Coin is at no point sympathetic or a character that is worthwhile to root for every time that president coin plays her hand and like showcases like a little bit of a corrupt trait i'm like oh yeah that makes sense at no point was i rooting for you like you've been undermining katniss on purpose over and over again so like i have no reason to trust you and so this whole part one movie is the movie trying to be like hey you're on the revolution side right and I'm like not really yeah it's kind of obvious that you guys are all you guys also suck you're just the lesser of two evils um and it's also incredibly frustrating to have a begrudging leader like Katniss is the leader of the revolution out of obligation and nothing else and that is an incredibly unworthwhile like motivator for a character while that might be a realistic thing while that might be something that's worth to explore in this movie having like a 17 year old girl not want to be the leader of a revolution and have that be her main character trait makes the movie not worth watching. So I think that because this movie is all set up, because this movie accomplishes almost nothing in terms of character development, it it is not a good movie. And I mean, yeah, like,
1: there's also like... I mean, trying to look at the motivations and the plot behind this movie, there's also like a love triangle in there, which is...
0: Which at this point is irrelevant.
1: It's irrelevant, dude. It's just not... It, no one's invested in it.
0: Um... And Haymitch and Effie, who were, like, fun, interesting parts of the first two movies, have just been relegated to, like, trying to convince Katniss to not leave the revolution, which I think is a boring thing for these characters to be doing. So, at the Mockingjay Part 1, 4 out of 10. Whatever. Not yeah. worth your time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we hit Part 2, which is where all the action happens, but... Still has the same fundamental problems of the whole revolution. I don't care if the revolution succeeds. I don't care what happens to President Coin or President Snow. I don't even care what happens to Katniss or PETA. Like, I'm really just there to because I've watched three movies. Um, what this movie does have going for it are very impressive visual sequences. There is a sequence where they are moving through the capital city. And there are these Hunger Games-like traps in the city. And those parts are really cool. Like, they accidentally trigger an oil flood where, like, thousands and thousands of gallons pour out of these buildings and flood an outdoor public square. And watching that happen was actually a really cool visual sequence. There's another sequence in the scene where, spoiler, Finnick dies Um, where they're being chased through the sewers by mutated mutts. Women everywhere
1: had heart broke. Dude, okay, so Finnick dies. I think we should go into that a little bit more.
0: Okay. What did you feel Um, when that happened? So it was actually a really sad death because I think there are really cool moments of intense sacrifice, which I will circle back on. Um, And so I know that Finnick's death in the book is like literally one sentence and they move on. Yep. This movie does Phoenix death a little bit more justice. Um, Katniss has a hard time leaving him behind. Katniss wants to mourn him for a second. They have to move on from it. But, you know, even like the 30-45 seconds we spend on Finnick's death in this movie is more than he gets in the books. And I, I respect that. But the scene where he dies with all those mutated mutts is kind of scary. Like the mutts have a really good scary design and seeing them in this darkness is effective. So I really like that scene. And then go back to that, the, the sentiment of intense sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, spoiler when Prim dies, that's intense. That is a very engaging moment in this movie. Um. So I think this movie stands way better because it has these moments that let it stand out from the dragginess that its predecessor held. Um, So while I like this movie more, it still suffers from all of the thematic problems that the whole franchise is built on. So I think this movie sits at like a five and a half, where like I don't like it as a whole, but there are parts of it that make it worth watching. I also think... (laughs) The basic, it's crazy how small of a spark that this country needed for a revolution. Because all Katniss did was bend one rule of the Hunger Games. She tried to cheat the Capitol and won. And that's all it took for an entire revolution to start. Oh, and by the and way, I,
1: all she did to cheat was say, I don't want to win. And she then, and convinced then...
0: PETA to do a suicide pact so there was no winner of the Hunger Games. And...
1: Oh, by the The way, they were from the same district, and there's only two winners. Just put them. Dude, it was one of those things that, like, so? I think, was the fear next time that everyone was going to just kill themselves?
0: It really felt like such a small linchpin for this revolution. Like, this should not have been the inciting incident. If you were to learn about this in history books, and you were to be like, the fall of the Capitol was started because there were going to be two winners of the Hunger Games instead of one, it really feels like out of character so this whole revolution had such an insecure base structure that everything that it's growing out of it is weak because of it um right so as a franchise i think this is very weak i think as a concept it's very cool i'm still kind of excited for this new hunger games movie because it's not about revolution it's about the Hunger Games again. And I really like Rachel Ziegler, so I'm really excited to see what comes out of this movie. Um, as a whole franchise, it's okay. Like this franchise as a whole gets like a flat six rating. Uh and like if you're watching them, I would say just watch the first two. Don't waste your time on the second half. Because yeah. I kind of wish I didn't. And that's the Hunger Games. Wild.
1: I watched another kid movie, because I'd be doing this with kids. I watched Peabody and Sherman. Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Okay, so here's the thing. It's cool, because they have this thing called a Wayback, which lets them go back in time. And you get to see, like, Cleopatra. You get to see, um, No, not Archimedes, Agamemnon. So, like, the Trojan horse. You get to see George Washington. You get to just see old history stuff. However... This definitely feels like Tenet in the fact that they invented a super cool concept like time travel, put it on a level that kids can understand in this movie, and then they just wanted to come up with a way to use it. Okay. Which is what Tenet is. is they're like, hey, let's come up with a super cool thing, and then a very loose plot just so we can use this cool concept. Because the whole plot is um, saving... I mean, I I'm not, I don't even know what to talk about because it's it's dumb. It's just... So, Mr. Peabody's a dog. Sherman is his adopted human son. Sherman gets bullied... Which
0: seems crazy to just kind of brush over.
1: Right. But, this is no normal dog. He's got like a billion PhDs. He's a certifiable genius. He's great at literally everything. He's good at everything. So good that they let him adopt a human. Said human, aka Sherman, goes to school, gets bullied. Gets called a dog. He goes, your dad's a dog. You must be a dog. And they start barking at him. Obviously that makes him very mad. He bites the kid. Then... Uh, mr peabody's uh custody gets called into question like you're teaching your son to bite people because you're a dog and he goes obviously i would never do that and he's threatening to get expelled from school the girl that he bites is invited over to their house along with the parents as a chance to reconcile and hopefully sherman can remain under the custody of mr peabody and doesn't get expelled from school all of that is to set up the chick that he bit, whose name escapes me, and I don't feel like looking it up, and Sherman go back in time unsupervised by Mr. Peabody, and then she falls in love with King Tut, and then Sherman has to come back to present day to get Mr. Peabody to go back in time with them, and then pull her out, um, and then half the movie takes, pa- takes place in the past, and then they go to the future, interact with their future selves, cause like a freaking black hole in the space-time continuum, and they save the world from what they created. Super cool concept. It explains... It doesn't really explain history. It's just cool to see it. Um, Willow had no idea what was going on. (laughs) She could not have been more lost. It was crazy, bro. I think it's meant for like middle schoolers. Like fifth grade in middle school. Um, Anything before that. It's just cool visuals and funny scenes. Like they're not going to get most of it. I guess I would give it like a six. Um, Okay. I (laughs) It's a family movie for sure. It's not just for kids. But like no one there's no one's talking about this movie for a reason, you know? Yeah. And then I watched The Usual Suspects. Okay. Um this movie's just uber famous and I don't know why. I don't know why. It's a classic. Okay. But I'm like I don't. And I think it's just because of the plot twist at the end. Yes. Um which by the way, it's good. It's not the best to do it. It's not the worst to do it. It might have been one of the earlier ones to do it. It came out in 1995. So it's probably just one of the first to do it. Um, But the story is hard to follow. There's a lot of people. Too much of this movie takes place in the freaking dark. A lot of people have like ulterior motives and like subplots going on that it's hard to follow. And the names aren't even easy to understand. So like... The whole movie feels like it's to service this plot twist, which to be honest, it is.
0: Well, this movie gives off... I haven't seen it, but it gives off like hardcore Reservoir Dogs vibes.
1: Uh, so Reservoir Dogs is cool because it all takes place in the warehouse, right? Yeah. This, the story all takes place in the police station, but it's nonstop flashbacks to other places while he's explaining the story. Okay. And it's... The story itself is not easy to follow. So complicated, in fact, that the he's getting Kevin Spacey's character um, is getting questioned by the police, and they don't understand. So they just keep asking him questions. I'm like, well, we don't understand either. So like, he's answering the police's questions, but he's really answering our questions, like what actually is going on, why is this happening? It's just unnecessarily complicated. Also, at the end, it can service the plot twist. So I'm not watching it again. Oh sure. I feel like I got cheated. Like this movie's a classic, but like it's just a good movie from 1995. Uh, the fact that like it it does not have rewatch value. Um, the prestige, great plot twist. Um, primal fear. I don't think it has a rewatchable plot twist. Um, there's movies that have great concepts that don't need plot twists, and this movie doesn't have a great concept. It's just it's just there for the plot twist so i think movies that only exist for the plot twist aren't good movies they need to just be good on themselves and the plot twist adds something um i'm gonna give it a 6.5 6.75 okay it is what it is um I, i wanted more yeah sure i wanted more but that's all i got for moonlighting
0: all right one hit wonder time yes this we're going back to a tiktok trend Um, which we haven't done in a while, but this one's called, I'm calling it gridlocked. And this one was actually very difficult for me to set up because I spent like an hour trying to find a reference video for this. And I could not for the life of me. I love it when there's a trend
1: that's everywhere. And the second you start looking for it, you're like, I don't. A, don't know what to search for, and now I can't find it even if I wanted to.
0: I saw, like, three videos doing this, like, all back-to-back, and I didn't interact with them in any way. So trying to go back and find them, I was just incapable of doing it. So like I said, I'm calling this um, Gridlocked, and the way this works is I have created a grid that I am sharing my screen with you now, and um, we're only going to focus on the grid on the left because I don't, well, the grid on the right would be too hard and I don't want to take up the time is all you have to do is come up with an actor that fits all of these categories. So some of them you'll have to do twice because that's how grids work is on the top row. I have Marvel, DC, and Netflix. And then I have the same thing on the column as well. So it's almost like a multiplication table of actors. So you have to find an actor that has been in two Marvel projects and then I'm, an actor that has been in a Marvel and a DC project, and an actor that has been in a Marvel and a Netflix project, and then you know you'll have to do the same thing for the other cells. Does that make sense? Yep, I got you. So, for we'll we'll go horizontally. Um, sure. To to kind so, of make this easier,
1: guy who's been in a person who's been in two Marvel projects,
0: and I think the way to make this work is obviously two like different or more. Marvel projects.
1: So not Iron Man one and Iron Man two. Correct. Okay. Um. Let's do uh Samuel Jackson. He's been in a bunch of stuff,
0: but he's still the same character in it. i oh, so thinking has to be.
1: T- uh. Then yeah. we could do uh Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, perfect. Wait, no, let's use him for DC, because he was uh, Green Lantern. So do you want to put Deadpool. him in the Marvel DC slot? Yeah, because yeah, he did uh, Green Lantern and, and um, Deadpool. Deadpool, sure. Uh, ch- 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 give me a second. Uh, Chris Evans.
0: Yeah, perfect.
1: Did uh, Fantastic Human Four Torch. and came back Yeah, for Captain America.
0: And then Marvel and
1: Netflix, and we'll uh, finish up that first row. This is a piece of cake. Marvel and Netflix. I can do Marvel and DC off the top of my and No, Netflix and DC off the top of my head. Marvel and Netflix, you're probably going to have to go smaller. Okay. um, oh, That's a TV show, not a movie. Uh, what were you thinking of? I was thinking of uh, Falcon, blanking on his name yeah. right now. He was Anthony in, Mackie. Yeah, Anthony Mackie was in Black Mirror.
0: Um, Anthony Mackie has been in about 400 Netflix movies.
1: Yeah, I um, know, and I just couldn't think of them. But yeah, yeah, he's 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 a good crossover. DC Marvel. So we can either use Ryan Reynolds again, or we can come up with another one.
0: Uh, let's come up with another one. Otherwise, th- th- there's no point to this grid.
1: <laughs> good point. Good point. Good point. Um, DC Marvel. Uh, got it. Dang it! And that's just two Marvel stuff. Wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> yeah, that's two freaking Marvel ones. I was thinking Mahershala Ali because he played Cottonmouth and Luke Cage. Yeah, and he's coming back as Blade, mm-hmm. which would be freaking sick. Yeah. Um, but that's two Marvel ones. Um, Marvel DC. Uh, let me just go through DC real quick. We got oh, Christian Bale.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Uh,
1: he was in the newest Thor. And obviously he's Batman. Yeah. Uh, Perfect. DC, two different DCs. Um, there's just not a lot of DC stuff out. So I'm really like racking my brain for other yeah. stuff. I'm thinking Gal Gadot, but she hasn't been in a lot of stuff. I'm thinking Ben F. No, he was in, um, he was uh, daredevil.
0: Yeah, so he could have been a Marvel DC one, but we used up those slots.
1: Yeah, uh, DC just doesn't have a very big world. I'm I'm literally looking at voice actors. Yeah, uh, we've got guys who played two different Jokers. I mean, like Luke Ham- uh, Hamill has played Joker in a bunch of DC stuff, but he's always the Joker. Um, I might need a phone a friend for this one.
0: Um, Dwayne Johnson.
1: I thought Dwayne was... Johnson. So we got Black Adam and what?
0: Um, he was uh, Crypto the Superdog. In,
1: oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll use that. I was thinking Dwayne Johnson. I'm like, I just can't think of another DC thing. Uh, DC, Netflix, we're gonna do Henry Cavill. Yeah. Uh, Witcher and Superman.
0: What did you choose for the Netflix movie? Uh, Witcher.
1: Witcher. Witcher. Yeah. Um, He was
0: also in a movie with Nicholas Holt called Sandcastles that I don't think anybody watched.
1: He's also Sherlock freaking Holmes in the worst movie ever. Yeah.
0: Um, So now we uh, another Marvel Netflix.
1: Marvel Netflix. We already did Ryan Reynolds. Um, But can we, I mean, we could use him again for X-Men and uh, Red Notice.
0: (laughs) I mean, I guess.
1: Two different characters. No, well, that's cheating. Uh, we'll skip this and come back because Netflix DC will do Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman and Red Notice.
0: Yeah. And then someone who's just in a bunch of Netflix stuff. Sandler. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, and so now we got to circle back to Marvel and D or Marvel and Netflix.
1: Right. Thankfully, Marvel's huge. This should be a piece. Oh, uh, we'll do RDJ as Iron Man and he was in, no, that's on Netflix, but it's not original Netflix. Correct. Uh, I'm trying to think of original Netflix. Um, I'm literally looking up original Netflix stuff. This should be easy, though. Oh. Marvel's so big, this is the freaking easiest thing in the world to do. Right. <clears throat> I just like can't think of stuff. Um, mm, okay, we'll do What's-Her-Face, Passengers, Female, Katniss Everdeen, J-Law. Jennifer
0: Lawrence. J- Jennifer yeah.
1: Lawrence was yeah. in X-Men, and she was in Don't Look Up.
0: Yeah perfect. So to recap what we have here, um, we have Chris Evans in the Marvel Marvel slot, Christian Bale and Ryan Reynolds in the DC Marvel slots. Um, Anthony Mackie and Jennifer Lawrence in the Marvel Netflix slots, Dwayne Johnson in the DC DC slot, Gal Gadot in the DC Netflix spot, and Adam Sandler in the Netflix Netflix spot. That is gridlocked. We have found our, um, crossover actors, Alex. Um, I came up with a second round of this in case that took that went too quickly. Um, you're looking at it now. I had on the top row musician, reporter, and comedian, and then in the columns, uh, movie, TV show, and host.
1: Wait. So, so how does this work? How does a reporter work? Are they a reporter or did they play a reporter?
0: They were a reporter, like Al Roker did a um, doing like a cameo in a movie.
1: I don't know enough about reporters. I would literally be, be like. <laughs> Trevor Noah. I, I, dude, it's brutal. Meredith Vieira. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, that was the hard
0: mode version of it.
1: Brutal. I could do comedians all day. I could do muni- musicians all day. I can do those right now.
0: <laughs> the reporter
1: would have to get replaced with, like, athlete.
0: Yeah. Oh, that would have been a better one. Because, yeah, I was, I was struggling coming up with, like, the second round of it, but... That's what I ended up with. Yeah. I could I would.
1: Um, That's way easier. I could murder that.
0: Sure. All right. That was gridlocked. That was our one hit. That's the show. Alex, what are we watching next week?
1: We're watching the Tom Cruise infamous movie, Minority Report. Dude, people. This movie gets like referenced as far as like over policing. It's like the movie. Oh, sure. Sort of like how Terminator gets referenced all the time in terms of AI. Like, it's just known. It's the movie. Watch out. Like, you don't want this to happen. This is when it comes to policing. Minority Report gets brought up all the time. Watch it. We're so close to Minority Report. We're so close to whatever. 2002 movie, two and a half hours long. Tom Cruise, Colin Farrell. I'm so excited, dude. It's got a 7.6 on uh, IMDb. It's loved across the world. It's action packed. I haven't seen it. I've just wanted to for a while. Super excited. I didn't even know Spielberg directed it, so this is going to be fire.
0: Until then, my name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle.
1: And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good.
0: Have fun, be safe, and make good choices.
1: And while you're at it, tell your mom I said hi. See you next week. Deuces.